This is In Search of the Pluriverse. We are Sophie Creer and Eric Wong. Join us on our quest for a world in which many worlds fit. We were invited by Het Nieuwe Instituut to be the first curators of their traveling academy. You can follow us online at pluriverse.hetnieuweinstituut.nl. Well, this is the very, very start of a project that will hopefully result in five podcasts made in five locations in the fringes of Europe. We're planning to go to Istanbul, the Scottish Isle of Mull, to Casablanca, and we've chosen both urban gateways and rural outskirts. But since COVID-19 keeps us at home, we decided to organize a series of warming up talks. And today is our ultimate warming up because it's our very first talk. And for this project, we chose to let us guide by a book. The name of our quest, In Search of the Pluriverse, is directly connected to this book. Sophie, can you tell us more about our source of inspiration? So the book is, is deceivingly thin. That's quite interesting because the, the title already, which the full title reads, Designs for the Pluriverse, Radical Interdependence, Autonomy and the Making of Worlds. I mean, this title already uh, tells us, right, that this is a book that that draws on many different realms, many different times, places, genealogies, uh, ways of knowing also. You could even call it a kaleidoscopic collection of thoughts on design's role in helping to cultivate worlds. And the author, Colombian anthropologist Arturo Escobar, he's especially um, keen or he keeps coming back to that, to this idea of a, a world, how, how you can design uh, futures that have a future. And he's really looking for ways that design can become more um, a, a tool in helping communities to design themselves, actually. So, th so that's super interesting. So design is very broadly taken. I think we're going to yeah. address that later in yeah. many of the talks. But design isn't like the design we're used to think of. He doesn't it? think of design in terms of designers, persons. That's interesting. He thinks of it as a process. And so the process can be appropriated by communities. Um, himself, Arturo Escobar, he's an academic, right, anthropologist, but he's also, uh, for a large part of his life, he was def helping indigenous communities to defend uh, their land rights. So he's also so an environmental and um, land and rights activist. So he's really bridging the vernacular and, and the academic. That's, I think, super interesting. Um, so in this post-industrial world that also uh, Escobar describes, um, we are looking for new design practices. And in these warming up talks, we stay close to home. So we are now at the studio of Joke Robart. Thank you, Joke, for having us today. And um, we thought of you for this talk for a number of reasons, because you are active in the art and design world since the early 80s, I think, or maybe even earlier. When did you End graduate? End of the 70s. End of the 70s. And so um, you, you consciously saw the change, the slow change from post-war build-up to social democracy, but also that's, that slight shift towards neoliberalism. And uh, that's still the reality we live in today. And you have always linked, that's the second reason we really like you here at this table, is that you've always linked thinking and reflecting to the practice of making. And we know each other, I think, for more than 20 years. I think in the context of the Retail Academy that we met, me as a student, you as a teacher. 
And we reconnected when you in 2005, I think, or in the early 2000s, you, you took over the TXT or the, the old textile department at the Rietveld. And we sort of renamed it into TXT. And that was quite a radical thing to do because you, 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 you designed a totally new curriculum in which uh, text and writing and thinking was equally important as developing materials and works. Um, and especially in that time, that was a new approach because we were still living in this sort of these departments that were material and technique and skill based, sort of a Bauhaus setup still. So we broke radically with that setup. And it was not easy at the beginning. Uh, we had like a very few students to work with, but it thrives and it still works. For me, you always served as sort of a personal role model as this independent and autonomous thinker and maker that sort of freely moves into the world and keeps distance, but also is very engaged and um, empathetic towards things that happen around us. So welcome, Yoko. Welcome, Yoko. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for this. Quite words. an introduction, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so so here we are. We're in a we're in a studio. It's Friday afternoon. It's it's a rather fresh afternoon. I mean, we're all sitting here with lots of clothes on, also for the acoustics. We hope that it's not echoing too much. And we are in Yoko Robert's uh, studio. I'm looking around. There are lots of shelves, lots of boxes with. It looks like there are knipsels in there, like cutouts. Lots of folders. I see there. There's all kinds of tagging going on. Color stickers. <laughs> So there's an, there, it seems super organized and another shelf has lots of books. And behind me on the big wall is uh, something quite intriguing. It, it looks like a kind of nervous system or something like that. I, it's cutouts? What is, what is it, Joke? Yeah, it, 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 maybe it became a nervous system. But um, in my work, I, I keep going back, trace back uh, objects or forms that I like to use. Uh, it's it's uh, the the um, the seams of t-shirts uh, cut out, so only the neck and the waist and the armpit. Uh, and I used to sh to work with this object more as autonomous alienated objects. Uh, in the end of seventies, I showed it in the state look uh, as abstract objects almost. And right now I use them again, also because I used it in a, in a very funny other project, which gave me a lot of ideas. And I wanted to create a kind of network of these t-shirts touching each other. And I immediately came up with the question, how does one t-shirt connect to the other? Do I tape it? Do I connect it? Do I need nails? What do I do with the gravity? They're hanging. Or do I guide them? Do I manipulate them? There are yeah, no knots, eh, Joke? There, no, there are no knots in it. Uh, no, no. So immediately you have to find a protocol. And so you split yourself in two the things you want to do aesthetically, the, the things you want to do formally. And that goes parallel to the idea of, yeah all the notions of how a network is constituted, the way we use 
network, as a desired momentum uh, gathering of people we are in connection to. But there are a lot of assumptions. Yeah, because did you did you make it? Is this a recent work? Or are we looking at something you've been making? It's in a these becoming work. Work. Yeah, a becoming work. Okay. Yeah. But it could also be looked at because the the bodies that were in the t-shirts are close because you see that there are remains of t-shirts or traces of t-shirts, but at the same time they're super not there. It's very unbody-like because it's very flat. They're just lines. But you could also, with some imagination, especially when you talk about it, you could see it as a group portrait. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Which yeah. brings me to, and maybe it's a big step, maybe not, but brings me to, I immediately have to think at Dem, about Dam Square a couple of days ago, where these, this huge group of people assembled against all uh, corona protocol to protest against uh, the death of this black man in Minneapolis. Yeah. Yeah, and the first protest in which people are so self-controlled in their movements and what they wear, how to connect to others. Yeah, how did you how look at that there? event? Yeah, I saw the self-control so much. And, and in one way, I find it frightening because it's a, it's, it's a protocol from the government. You, you have to fit in. And then, and at the other hand, it's such a desire to be in it and to be connected to it. So I saw it also as a manifestation and not only related to racism and this very clear reaction on it, which is... But the manifestation of what? Then? Um, making a big gest gesture uh, in relation to what ha happens in world politics, world leaders, their behavior, but also government protocols, uh, the way language is used. Uh, do you fit in or not? Do you see it as a wrong way of um, keeping control? Yeah, so it's, I think it's ambiguous. But you were a bit frightened by the controlled manner in which people showed their... Yeah, I, I thought it's no. I thought it's a virtue. It's a virtue, and it shows how self-constrained, self-disciplined people are, which is, is super great. This choreography of the event, but I'm also frightened for the fact that we we are obedient. <laughs> But and you're saying you see it as a manifestation against, let's say, the dominant order, whether it's political or economical. No, also the fact that you you were you were asked or requested to be to stay at home, so it's also a release of energy and uh, not not going along with all the things said and uh, all the the things invented. Uh, all the crazy measurements. So in a way, it was sort of an obedient disobedience. And isn't it also about, because you, we read a lot, right, about this social isolation, what it does with us psychologically. And, and uh, I, I think in your work, you're also very interested in how things connect or how different fields of knowledge connect. And this is also the reason why we in invited you for this first, first talk and why we thought that the term pluriverse would, would resonate with you. Uh, is that the case? Does w what was your what was your reaction when you 
read the title and and started reading through Escobar's work. Yeah, but uh, first I would like to go back again to this idea, yeah, pluriverse, but also the idea that the corona, that you're all connected in it. If there's the fear for an economical crisis, then we will all be in it. But I have to admit, I feel very privileged because I, I'm able to work. I have a very interesting um, assignment coming up so I don't have to worry immediately for the first time since years and uh, I'm aware of that uh, privilegedness feeling that's also awkward um, and this um, consciousness of of the idea of the the pluriverse I think it's it's something very deeply rooted in the history of all movements, uh, whether it happens in politics, arts, or sociology, or design. Um, I think th this term is coined probably as, as, a, as the idea of design and production. It's so saturated, and it's, uh, it's so... We, at this very moment of the corona, everything which happens uh, is amplified. And we are able to see what clearly happens. Uh, even also the death of, uh, what's his name? The Floyd. Black, yeah, George Floyd. So it's clearly visible. And you see all the connections uh, in every case. Yeah, the corona people are there working at the slaughtery. And we see all the work conditions which are not visible. We know it, but they haven't been visible so clearly. So, um, so that shows this how all things in the world are entangled in globalism. And globalism, the world is the world is the world itself is like a smooth space. It's surfing on the on the economical flow so and if globalism is a smooth space what kind of feeling do you get from the word pluriverse if you would have to yeah pluriverse is more, more is pluriform and uh, what, what i like about it is that it's almost against universe which is unifying huh? which is unifying uh, in order to get along in the in the the traffic of global things yeah maybe it's also celebrating complexity yeah, the word itself sort of embraces the idea of complex or different coexisting systems and yeah. also those systems of knowledge that you always try to connect that you talk yeah. about but that's interesting about it because it's not the the idea of multiplicities the Louis Guattari point at um it's it's not self-indulgent in that sense. Uh, I think, and that's also difficult about it, that pluriverse uh, is asks for um, an knowledge which is embedded, that different uh, branches of science have to learn from each other, or art has to learn about ecology, that's what artists and designers already do. Or the academy has to learn from the real world, a bit what Escobar tries yeah, to do, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that is not so 
easy because it's not a matter of adaption and appropriation that happened in the 80s, 90s a lot. But, and so we had a rapid flow of, of new forms and visibilities. Mm, so you have to slow down in order to learn or to insert uh, an ecology in design or an ecology in your mind or an ecology in, in textiles or... Um, and is this embedded knowledge something you've experienced in your life? Like, have you com come across it? In, in the no, yeah. I was touched by the the with the term behavioral economy that's the term of Daniel Kahneman a psychologist who got the Nobel prize in 2001 for his research of how people react on money flows or lack of money um, how what happens um And I was so happy with this connection of these two terms because I said, oh, if economists have to learn from behavior, which behavior? Behaviorism. Um, what do we know a bit about behavior? Which science is researching human behavior? There's some artist, what's her name, this German artist who was studying the behavior of men and women sitting. Fantastic behavior, not a scientist, but of course that's, again, a coupling, yeah, uses the word coupling as well, a coupling of, of knowledges. Yes, I think Deleuze uses coupling as well. It's, it says um, people designed, there we go, uh, the stirrup, you know, the stirrup on the horse, only because they had the crusaders, they were on a horse. How can you fight and also guide the horse? <laughs> you don't have, you have three to have arms. Your feet. So you, you need something to be very strong and uh, solid on the horse. So the stirrup helps you to, to, to free yourself safe. in another way. Yeah. To What free is yeah. stirrup? I'm not a horse, I'm, I'm not a horse Stairs specialist. And and he says so. The stirrup enables uh, war, making war. So it's uh, it's coupling yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, human activities to objects. So different uh, entities have to learn to function together. Uh, and more and more, I think. If you look, for instance, at uh, art education, there have been all these processes in art, the appropriation, the concepts in art, uh, the uh, land art, deconstruction in architecture, uh, Bauhaus, multidisciplinary practices, the remainders we are in right now. Uh, But you also feel a, a huge shift Like the students now are very sort of restless about their position in the world because they want to, they see that we're sort of going in, in, in a galloping, let's take the metaphor of the horse, <laughs> we're galloping towards the, the end of things and they want to contribute to a new world, to a new reality. But how, and especially as 
yeah. makers, we are quite vulnerable in how to fit in, 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 in into this system. Yeah, th- I think and, that's and also very dual because you know that there are very extreme high position uh, systems to produce things and to had to place them into the world from haute couture to whatever singular object um, that is already very far from an art student these processes and uh, at the other hand um, there are the things they read and they want to digest what they read in books yeah, and, and they philosophy redis- and they're also rediscovering things so now at our department the textile department at the Rietveld they are um, feminism is back like the, the 70s feminist writers are back uh, the idea of the commons is totally back um, maybe you can say something about your experience with the guerrilla girls in New York yeah because that was in the yeah. 70s right and and how how did that does that help you to read what's happening today like what yeah. happened yeah. The, what happened actually in the 70s no but no it opened my eyes maybe i i was an art resident in new york in 94 95 uh, i found it difficult just to be an artist so <laughs> i started working like crazy but one day i passed a, a garden in the neighborhood of Bowery. Bowery was a very obscure place at that time. And this garden, there was a gate around it and it said Liz Christie's garden. So it appeared to be the first garden of a a group of people called Green Gorillas who uh, invaded all these empty lots in New York and made uh, communal gardens, gardens or places to stay. So at that time, there were 135 and so on. So I, I started to talk with them, and um, I made a work with them for an exhibition, etc. But I was very touched uh, by their power, uh, their, their system, their, <laughs> their ideas, the way they were working. Um, well, in a way, they were hacking the system of the city. No, 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 they were negotiating the lots. So they, the, no, it, wa- it wasn't hacking, no. They were officially uh, gained places, yeah. But were they, they, could they also keep them? Did they actually gain temporary, auton- autonomy? Temporary, temporary. 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 Exactly, because the, 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 the ground or the is very expensive. Yeah, 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 but still, the, the Liz Christie's garden, which is housed in the first street at the corner, it's still there, so some some are I think monuments almost. Uh, even if the if if the the rents are very high in that spot of the city. But it's if that happened all in the late eighties or the mid eighties, somewhere around mm-hmm. that time, mm-hmm. uh, so people were busy with that idea of commons and green and mm. uh, using things as a community in a very capitalized urban system. Mm. And if we look at how things are going today, what happened actually in between? I sometimes think oh, that branding. We've, been, we've been sleeping for decades. Yeah, yeah, but that has to do, I think, with the <laughs> the, the, the lurk or the... We, we, <laughs> we became addicted to design and to the, the, the surfaces of, of, of globalization and the, the rapidness of... 
the flow of goods, I don't know, and the illusions of, of brands. Is that what you've been collecting in all these folders that we see? Yeah, but I'm those? happy that I I have been, I, I'm a watcher. So at the end of 70s, I could uh, make a document. Uh, I lived in London with a friend at that time, so I could see how punk movement was... Uh, split apart and all the elements were taken up and uh, appropriate and were, became part of business or publicity or even even the fetters became fetishes to sell and so it was the yeah how do you call it the undressing of, of punk so in order to to um, to find a way for all your uh, surprises, uh, anger, yeah, maybe anger, confusion. Uh, I started making dossiers, so making files to prove as a private investigator that this was wrong. <laughs> also, oh, I never I never knew that that was your hidden agenda, Joke, <laughs> to prove the world wrong. So you, I think you don't start an archive, you don't build an archive, but you need proof. I and still the proof have, builds over time, yeah, right? And the because biggest part was the, all the travels, the, the, the fashion companies traveled to uh, Africa and to even Jordania or something. But this was all financed by the travel agencies and the airplane companies, etc. So this whole expansion, you can see it clearly back. All these, um, all the dark people in the back of the photos. It made me mad. So I wanted to have all these images. And I found out that this is, it went on till now. Maybe nobody can do it anymore, I don't know. But, and, and because we have to wrap up this, this talk soon, how, uh, to, to our young listeners, <laughs> to the to the generation out there that that is struggling, that Eric was referring to, and that is trying that are to looking for their place. In, that is in trying this world. to yeah, that is looking for their place, and they, and um, they cannot, let's say, claim the same kind of autonomy. Let's even call it kind of autonomy that, that it, it the way it was possible in the seventies is not possible now, right? Because globalism is everywhere; it's pervading; it's like going through everything. Do, do you do you see do you see an a way out like do you see an a way out or um, how how could the pluriverse how could we cultivate the pluriverse t uh, today in, I, in this I do think that there, there are a lot of new groups together have who, who have tradition in squatting or in um, new digital networks uh, also sharing life uh, Conviviality, yeah. yeah. Not only having ideas together, but also giving services or um, creating content, but also living it. I see that happens a lot. People come back together. Uh, they join. Had to have to make these futsal balls to to have these little food forests. Yeah. Food forest, which is I think fantastic. You can consume it. You can support it. You can work in it. You share knowledge. Um, it's not demonstrating aesthetics. It's it's the opposite of a useless park. <laughs> um, and it's not marginal. Maybe that's also a different 
I b- yeah, but I, I, it's, 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 it's oh, I, I have to admit, I bought a book about the food forests in Holland. There are a lot already, and the way they are constructed, oh, I'm deeply impressed by it. Yeah. So th- I think that's very positive. And so, I, so I what you're saying is we have to look. You, you're saying the pluriverse reverse is there. It's happening in these in these practices that you just named. What yeah, what do you think about all these people in France, the Lien de Terre, do you know it? Lien de all terre. these people who are f- f- there's an old farm and he's selling the farm and then somebody else is building a villa. They want to keep all these old lands uh, for agriculture. Agriculture, the soil uh, yeah, that's a law, that's Gaia. a heritage law that you can build yeah. into the land. And they know yeah. each other, so that is a very big or- organization. Uh, who, who so share. again, you're sort of picturing the power of networks and connections, like in the, in, in the work on the wall. Yeah, but for a designer, it's difficult if you start solo, uh, how to adapt to the the knowledge or the, the potentials of people. I once did an assignment with students. They had to read the text of Richard Tuttle about Indonesian textiles. They had to s- connect this technology, textile technique, for instance, certain batik or whatever, a, a we- weaving technique. They had to connect it to um, some a place on the map, an island in Indonesia, because there are lots, and they had to find out what are the virtues, what are the potentialities, the the real knowledge these people have, but also to translate it back, not uh, depicting them as uh, exotic beings, but showing why does it work. They create this uh, material in certain places in their houses, who's doing it and who's taking care of the household. So take the whole bunch. And there you are. Then you are a student. You 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 do a little attempt to be an astrologer, no, uh, anthropologist. And you're connecting yourselves. Yeah. To the world. Yeah. So you're not uh, only appropriating the exotic product. Yeah. Well, thank you, Joke. It was quite an intense, short, intense talk. Thank you. There's lots to think about. Also for the people who hopefully listen in. This was the first f- uh, of our warm-up talks. Um, next, our next talk we're going to do with Miguel Hervas Gomez. He's also the graphic designer of this project. He's young and he's an upcoming, he just finished art school basically. And he's very um, productive and very, yeah, I think. He's I think very he, plural he could, yeah, also. He he's, he's has a very pluri- plural. The signature of his email, when he sends an email, he's got like five websites. That's his signature. And when you go to the website, the website itself has 20 websites on it. it <laughs> so you just don't everywhere. know. It's super interesting. Yeah. So we're really looking forward to his look or his uh, perspective on the Pluriverse. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. And for more background on this project, you can visit www.hetnieuweinstituut.nl slash magazines. Under the tab about the Pluriverse, we've posted a link where you can download the book, start reading it and tell us what you think, uh, because we'd really love you to join the conversation. And you can also find us on Instagram at In Search of the Pluriverse.